Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Good evening, everyone. Good, good. That's the good. Pass the first test. Good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the summer socials we've got going on. I'm fascinated by cake and chorus. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Do you have the cake before you sing the choruses? You know, because you know, th- th- there could be cake everywhere on that one. But, uh, you know, that, that, you know, but it, it's great. And um, if you're joining us this evening at Rest Bay, um, I won't keep you too long. Um, in case you don't know who, are I, who I am, you know, I, I, I'm not often up here. Um, my name is David. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at City Church. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, I noted that was from Stephen and not my wife. Um, I make a note of that. <laughs> um, and I, I also support our regions of Southern England and Wales uh, with our regional leader, Steve Ball. So it is great to be with you here this evening to, looking at the parables of the stories of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. We are, this is part four of this, the, the series. If you've missed any of them so far, it would be really great for you to catch up online and, and to, to follow the flow as we go through these uh, stories over the next few weeks. I don't know about you, but uh, I find birthday presents really difficult, not, not in terms of buying them for other people, but when people ask me what I want for my birthday, because I, I genuinely rarely can re- think of things that I want. Um, so a few years ago, my family were pulling their hair out, trying to because it was getting close to my birthday, and they were going, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want? And so I came up with an idea. I had a revelation, and I said, I know you could buy me a bread-making course. Put me on a bread-making course. And so, of course, all that meant was that Roz had to go around trying to find bread-making courses in Cardiff for the next few weeks. But so a few years ago, I did a day of making, learning how to make bread properly. You know, not, not the way that has a little machine in the corner. You just shove everything in and press a button and hope. Um, but and actually learning how to, to, to knead dough and different types of bread and all what happens on it. So I did wonder whether Dominic had thought of that when he asked me to do the parable of the yeast, which is what we're looking at this evening. Um, this morning, if you were around, uh, uh, Sean preached an awesome message on the, the parable of the mustard seed. And these two parables are together in Matthew's gospel, and there's a lot of similarities between the two, um, but I, I, I haven't nicked half of my sermon from Sean's, but um, it was worth nicking uh, if, it, if I did. But there are, there are parallels between these two, two parables. Um, and um, Sean said this morning that, that she'd got the short straw because she had two verses. I got one. One verse. I don't know what that says, but um, anyway, um, we're going to look at what yeast is and what it does, because that's what the verse we're going to look at shows. Now, on the next slide, you can have a look. This is what yeast looks like. 
Um, in fact, actually, this is what yeast looks like. Uh, I have a, a lump of yeast. That is very potent smell. Um, <laughs> and you don't come too near me afterwards. Um, it's, it's a very gloopy. We're going to have to get the vacuum cleaner right now. Um, block. It's a fungus. You didn't know that. You can see you didn't come to church to get educated, did you? No. <laughs> yeast is a fungus. And actually, its most natural form is like that jar in the bottom left-hand corner there. It sort of bubbles up and froths, and you scoop the froth off the top, and that's the activated yeast. Um, and then when they produce this, they, they, in order to package it and to, to sell it and, and transport it, you put it into blocks of yeast like this, or grains, which is the dried yeast that many of you, uh, if you've done bread making before, will use. And you activate this yeast and you put it in. And some of you are thinking, this doesn't look like a loaf of bread. And you're right. I'm going to put this away now. Um, and I did bring some wipes because it really is potent smell. <laughs> And if I don't do this, my Bible will be smelling of yeast for the next five years. So, <laughs> so we're going to look at what yeast does and what it tells us about the kingdom. Because if you've been watching and, and, and listening over the last, and you've been here the last few weeks, um, as, as Dominic started the series uh, with the parable of the soils, and then Pastor David the next week looked at the, the parable of weeds, these are, and then Sean this morning about the parable of the mustard seeds. We are looking at the parables to do with the kingdom, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Those two terms are interchangeable, really. Uh, Matthew tends to use kingdom of heaven, but other gospels use the kingdom of God. Pretty much mean basically the same thing. So let's look at the scripture verse we're going to look at. Uh, I put two versions on the screen. Um, we're looking at Matthew 13, verse 33, but also Luke 13, verses 20 and 21. So it says here, Matthew is writing, he's just told about the parable of the mustard seeds, and then he goes on and says, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. The Luke version there says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. It's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> it says the same thing. Um, very short verse. And the reason, probably one of the reasons why this is short, so short is because yeast, uh, or leaven as it would be in some, if you've got some of the older translations, it'll talk about leaven, uh, Yeast is a form of leaven. Leaven can cover, cover a number of other things, but generally we're talking about yeast. The reason, probably one of the reasons why it is so short is because people knew exactly what yeast was. It was a day-to-day -day good. It was something that was used regularly, um, and it was something that many people would have known about from their home life. So as soon as Jesus talks about it, they know exactly what he's talking about. So the trouble is, we don't work with yeast day in, day out. So we need to have a little bit of a, a lesson. You see, if you make bread without yeast or leaven, this is what you get. Now, some of you are going to love these. I think they, well, I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's not bread, really. Come on. 
let's just be honest. This, this is a tortilla wrap for anyone listening on the podcast. Um, that this is not, but this is unleavened bread. Uh, there is no yeast in this. Now you see this. Now I would like to say I'm going to put a disclaimer. I didn't cook. I didn't bake this. I re. I, I was going to, but I thought it is go, it's guaranteed to go badly wrong. <laughs> So this is from Bird Bakery down the road. Um, this is bread. And in this midst, you can see in there, if you look closely, there are loads of holes. And this is what yeast does. It rises a bread. It makes a bread rise and taste full of flavor. You're all going to be looking at that for the rest of the sermon, aren't you? <laughs> so what would Jesus's hearers in the first century of thought when they heard Jesus talk about yeast or leaven. Well, the first thing to note um, is that it was pretty much everywhere else in the, in the Bible when they talk about yeast, it's in a negative sense. It's not actually in a positive sense. So this is a surprise to them because Jesus in this parable is talking very positively about yeast. So for example, um, in Matthew chapter 16, so Matthew's gospel only a bit a few chapters further on in verse 6, he says, be careful, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he goes back and the, the reason it is often sort of thought of as quite negative is that um, the Passover meal um, was when they remembered the exodus from, uh, from Egypt with Moses. Um, they, they were in such a hurry that they couldn't put yeast into the bread. They couldn't put the leaven into the bread because they didn't have the time because they had to pack up quickly to leave Egypt. And so, therefore, it is remembered where, by uh, Jewish households removing all traces of yeast from their houses. And so therefore, that, that, the, the positive sign of God's redemption was seen with the use of unleavened bread. But in this instance, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and it's talking about the effects of yeast. So what can we learn from it? And the role that yeast does in making bread, that we can perhaps learn something for our own lives and for the kingdom of God. Well, firstly, three things I'm going to tell you. Firstly, yeast is hidden. So if you look at this loaf of bread, there is no way you can see this in there. No matter how hard you look, you'll not see it. This is bread. This is yeast. So the yeast is hidden. In fact, you could almost say yeast is very humble. It's very easily made. It's not expensive. You mix flour and water and allow it to ferment, and the yeast will start to form and create itself uh, and grow and develop. Yeast is actually quite a humble thing that is hidden inside. You see, when you have bread, it's not about the yeast. It's about the bread, isn't it? 
If you're making a sandwich and you're having a, a piece of bread, it's not about the yeast. It's about the bread. And so much of the kingdom of God is not about us. It's about God. It's about changing lives, transforming society, and helping people encounter Jesus. It's not about City Church. It's not about you or I. It's about the kingdom of God. And too often our, church, our churches and our lives within Christianity in this, in this century, we've gotten caught up in a sort of celebrity culture where it's all about, you know, are you on the platform? Have you got the name? Are you in the in church? But you see, Jesus is saying it doesn't matter about that. What matters is, are you making a difference? Are you having an effect? Be Jesus wherever he has placed you. Whether that's in a college or a university, on your workplace, in your home, in your community, your family, your friends. Wherever God has placed you, get in there. Get in there and make a difference. Like yeast does with dough. Get in there. And it doesn't matter whether everyone's going, oh, 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 the Christian's arrived. The Christian's here. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Get in there and make a difference. You see that Jesus in a number of places uses similar sorts of analogies. He talks about yeast, but he also talks about salt or light. Salt gets subsumed into whatever it's cooking, and it adds flavor. But again, you don't see it. It's there. Same with light. Light, you might be able to see the source, but it infuses. It goes all over the place. It is uh, hidden within. So Matthew, Matthew's gospel in chapter 18, a bit further on from where we're reading, it says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Our job is to be Jesus to other people, not to make a name for ourselves. It's not about who we are. It is about who he is. Children don't give a monkeys who you are. Little children, they'll come and run up to you. Um, and they will always sort of push past people to get to the, the person they want to get to. That's, about, that's what being in the kingdom is about. Secondly, so firstly, yeast is hidden. Secondly, yeast infuses everything. Yeast gets into every part of the dough. 
When you're kneading a, a, a lump of dough that's, that's going to become bread, you are mixing and merging that yeast everywhere into the dough. It goes throughout the dough. There's not a part. In fact, actually, if, it, if for any reason you don't get the yeast into one part of the dough, all you will end up with is this in that part. Because unless the dough is infused with yeast, it won't grow and it won't bake well and it won't become the bread that you want. You see, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It needs to get into every part of both our lives and society around us. You see, the world would love to tell us, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you have to have that faith, that's okay. You can have that. But could you just do it as a hobby on the side? You know, you, you, you will have undoubtedly heard so many times about the church shouldn't be speaking about whatever, politics, sexuality, whatever it may be. But you see, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, infuses every part of society. It infuses every part of our life. Why? Because it is a kingdom. We have a king. You see, you know, I'm not condoning disobeying laws, but actually we have a king who is above our queen. We have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the kingdom that we are a part of. And the kingdom is involved in every part of life. Listen to these verses. This is the amplified version of Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21. Chosen the amplified because it sort of expands uh, the, the, the original languages here because there's, there, there's a couple of double couple of meanings. If you look at the footnotes in your normal Bible, you'll, uh, you'll see that there, there are a couple of optional meanings for the end of this verse. And the, 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 the Amplified explains them. So he says this, asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied to them by saying, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it's here, it's there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts, and among you, surrounding you. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is in us and works through us in our society. God wants the kingdom of God to infuse you inwardly. Are there parts of your life you haven't given over to Jesus? I can remember as a young Christian many years ago, um, in my late teens and early 20s, being challenged about parts of my life that had not been given over to Jesus. And thinking, but, I, you, know, I, I, you know, they're a bit of a mess, but I'm quite happy having control of them. You know, because it, it, it sometimes feels a little bit better to have control of the mess than actually the unknown of what God might do with you. But you see, when I actually bowed the knee 
And yeah, there was some pain involved at times. But when I bowed the knee for those areas and let God take over, let the kingdom of God come into those areas, oh my goodness, the difference. The, the release, the freedom, the joy in those areas. It is really important that we don't hold back areas. Why? Because we'll end up with a life of a tortilla. It'll be flat and uninteresting and dull and not how God intends it to be. We need to allow the yeast of the kingdom of God to infuse every fiber of our being. You see, if, if sometimes we get a bit, you know, we get accused of being, you know, Bible bashers or happy clappy or whatever term, and I have no problem with any calling me any term under the sun like that. But, you see, it's because Jesus changes everything if we let him. You see, the problem is he doesn't force his way in. We need to allow him in to our lives. So I want to ask you this morning, are there parts of your life you're holding back from Jesus? He wants to work through every part, our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, our words, our work, our marriages, our identity. And then when he's done that, he also wants to work through us outwardly. The kingdom of heaven is to infuse every part of society. You see, whether it's the arts, politics, education, or health, business, economics, science. It, the kingdom of God is to have a part and a role and a voice in all of those areas and so much more. Because the, the kingdom of heaven is not just about religious stuff on a Sunday morning. Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. The problem is, we're not asking him as a, as a society and a community, but there are people out there, and perhaps you are in this room today, tonight, and I want to believe that actually you, there are people in this room tonight that God has placed in positions within your work or your community or your learning that you, you are sitting and thinking, what would God, what on earth would God have to say in this area? Well, take it to God because he's got the most amazing solutions. Remember hearing, I've desperately tried to find a quote from him, but I couldn't find him. Uh, Francis Collins is one of the leading geneticists in the world and was involved in the, um, the human genome pro project of de deciphering the, 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 the code that is the human genome. And that's probably about as far as my knowledge of DNA goes. Um, but he's, you know, he's a scientist with a brain the size of a planet. Um, but he's a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. And he said part of the process of deciphering the code of the DNA was him in prayer. Why? Because Jesus wrote the DNA. So he could help decipher it. 
because he wrote it. The same goes for the business world. The same goes for politics. The same goes for uh, education and health and whatever else. Jesus and the kingdom wants to infuse every part of society. Because that's when we transform society. And that's when the good news gets out there. So firstly, yeast is hidden. Secondly, yeast is uh, infuses everything. And thirdly, yeast is effective. You see, it's very clear that yeast makes a difference. It changes things. It transforms dough into something incredible. I can remember standing in that uh, in this, this kitchen, there were about six of us uh, being taught how to do bread making and watching as this master baker was teaching us how to, to knead the dough and, in, and put the, 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 the yeast in and mix and all the techniques and watching the transformation as the dough rose because the yeast was doing its work. You see, yeast makes a difference. The kingdom of God is effective. It's powerful. It makes a difference. You may be sitting there thinking, what I do doesn't make a difference. You might be sitting there thinking, who I am doesn't make a difference. Let me tell you, with Jesus in your heart and with him on the steering wheel of your life, you can make a difference. You can make a difference where God has placed you. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, The kingdom of God is not a realm of grandiose talk. It is a realm of power. And Matthew 12, so literally the chapter before the one we're looking at, Jesus is talking, uh, and in verses 22 to 29 says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do, you, do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. Then he says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house, his house. What Jesus is saying is there's power in the kingdom. There is power in the kingdom of God. It is effective, whether it is dealing with demonic influence or demonic structures. 
The kingdom of God makes a difference. And God can use you to make a difference. I want you to leave today with hope because you are yeast. In, uh, you are God's yeast in the world to make a difference, to transform the world, to transform this kingdom. You see, sometimes, so often, we feel like we can't make a difference. And sometimes, unless we are out there, you know, whoever your Christian hero might be, whether it's a, a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonke or a whoever, and you're thinking, well, I'm not standing in front of tens of thousands of people and, and inviting them to accept Jesus. But God has placed you somewhere that I can't go, somewhere that Stephen can't go, somewhere that whoever can't go. God has placed you in places where you can make a difference. Because the kingdom of God might be hidden, but it infuses everything and it is effective. Sean this morning talked about planting a church, so I thought I better make sure I mention about planting a church as well. So, um, you know, so uh, we too closed our church as well, so, or, uh, you know, and took it on in a different direction. But um, when Ros and I were fairly newly married, we were involved in planting a church in a part of West London called Brentford. You will never have heard of Brentford unless you follow the Premier League because we're in the Premier the only time Brentford Football Club will ever get mentioned from this platform, I suspect. Um, and we, we planted a church there, and we never grew beyond about 25 people. We felt like there were times when we battled every Sunday to, to, to get everything set up to, to actually make a service happen. We hired the rehabilitation unit of a hospital, that's not your normal location for church. Um, but it meant we had to move a whole load of beds, not with patients in. I'd just like to make that clear. They weren't in. The pa- we weren't moving the patients away. They, it was um, a day unit uh, uh, of the hospital. We put the church out. And we felt sometimes like we, what was the point in us being there? However, we were fortunate because when we chose to, to the, the, the next phase of the church's life was to merge it with a neighboring church. Uh, the two churches became one. We were able to have a celebration of the life of the church. We were able to see the number of lives that were transformed, the, the number of people that had got saved. We'd sent missionaries around the world. We'd sent people to Bible college to train. We'd started, uh, we'd recognized that one of the biggest needs in the area we were in was there was nowhere for new mums to go and to just be together and, and understand, just to be able to sit there and go, oh my goodness, what's just happened to me? Um, you know, the, the, together with other young new mums. So we set up a group that saw probably hundreds of young mums go through over the lifestyle. In fact, actually the lifespan of the, the group went on way beyond the existence of the church, because some of the other churches took it on um, in the area and, were, uh, and, uh, and, and took it forward as well. 
We ran Alpha. We joined and got the churches together. So the eight churches across Alpha, across um, Brentford ran Alpha simultaneously and saw hundreds of people learn about the Christian faith and make a commitment. You see, sometimes when we are in the midst of things, we feel like we can't make a difference or we're not making a difference. But I want to leave you with hope because, you see, Jesus is at work. And Jesus loves doing things. Jesus loves making a difference. And sometimes we feel like we are the obstacle, but actually he's using us to make a difference. I also want to mention a, a lady that uh, when, I was, when we were running this church, one of the rules I had was I helped coordinate Alpha across the whole of West London um, area, which um, was great fun. And we, but it meant we were often able, we were able to get together as regional uh, Alpha coordinators um, at Holy Trinity Brompton in London and, um, and just hear what God was doing through Alpha. And I'll never forget the story a lady, don't even know her name. She was only ever known as Nan. She was a lady at this point. This was in the, uh, the late 90s, so she, uh, early 2000s. So she, she was in her 80s at this point. Uh, she frail old lady. For, I, I always struck with me because she was from my neck of the woods, which, in case you're wondering, before you embarrass yourself, is just outside of Newcastle, the northeast of England. Um, and um, she was from Whitley Bay up in, 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 in the northeast. And she would tell this story of how there were six of them in their church, a little Anglican church. And there were six of them. And she was desperate to see young people, desperate to see young people come, to come to faith, to learn about the Jesus she'd loved since a child. But she was like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. I'm 80 year old. So what she did was she just opened the doors of the church and said, Friday nights, there's a table, tennis table, and a pool table, and just come. And gradually over time, young people started coming, first quite cynically. But they weren't going to mess with Nan. You're not going to mess with an 80-year-old. And so they came. And she said, I didn't understand a word they said. I didn't understand the lingo. They didn't understand the technology. I didn't understand anything. I just loved them. I just loved them. And many of these children, the area she was, they were ministering in, very broken area of the Northeast. Many of them were from broken families. And they didn't know a loving relationship. So they all started calling her nan. And so she became their nan, too. And so then she got hold of the, the youth alpha material and, and said, how about, you know, she took that bold step and just said, how about you come along and find out about a bit about Jesus? And after about four times of running alpha, over 100 young people had been through the alpha course and given their lives to Jesus. From a church of six elderly people. You see, the kingdom of God doesn't need the spectacular. 
It doesn't need the lights and the smoke machines and the whatever. And they're, you know, they're great. I don't have a problem with them. That's, that's fine. But you see, the kingdom of God just needs people willing to be used, willing to be ready to, be, to serve God. So as we come into land, come to finish, the, king, that, the, the, la, the second last slide, that's it. Um, yeast is hidden. Yeast infuses everything. Yeast is effective. As Sean mentioned this morning, one of the other mentions of the kingdom is in what we know as the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus says, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And then in verse 33 of that same passage, the Sermon on the Mount, he goes and says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I want to leave you with this thought. Are you letting the kingdom infuse you? Are you letting Jesus infuse you? Are you letting the kingdom infuse your world? Do you feel hidden and useless? Do you look at the world and sometimes think, how can anything change? Let me give you hope. Be strong and courageous. The king and the kingdom are at work in ways you will never know, probably until you're in glory yourself, and Jesus reveals and goes, see what difference you made? Look at that. Always have hope, because Jesus is the hope of the world, and we are called to bring hope in the name of Jesus. Because that is what the kingdom is about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for each person in this room. Whether they've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years. I just pray that they would be infused with your kingdom infused with your glory. And Lord, I pray that an excitement would stir up within them, an excitement of what you could do in and through them, wherever you have placed them. Lord, I pray that you would raise up an army of yeast, an army of yeast, I'm mixing the metaphors, forgive me. An army of yeast that would go out there and infuse society, infuse Cardiff and Wales and the nations with your glory and your hope and your gospel. So that we could see a vision that was so wonderfully shared 
by the Archbishop of Canterbury only yesterday when he said, we have a vision that is a picture of the kingdom, not greater darkness, but spreading light, not science and technology bankrupt and captured by the powerful, but shared and developed for the common good of all. Not masses of people vainly seeking shelter from climate disaster, but generosity, hospitality, effective tackling of the climate emergency, led by those who see our world as God's gift and who take seriously the reconciliation of all things to their creator. Lord, I pray that you would raise up people who would believe that and who would instead of being a flat, unleavened bread, would be raised loaves of glorious bread, feeding the nations of this world with your gospel news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.